Warning, this podcast may be disturbing to some listeners. Due to the graphic nature, listener discretion is advised. Welcome from wherever you are. This is The Demon Inside with your host, John Venom. If you want to review a different episode of The Demon Inside, you can find them on Spotify or Anchor. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. A new episode will come out every Monday. And now, to our show. We'll be right back after these messages from our sponsors. And welcome back to the Demon Inside. Some neighbors here had complained of a stench for almost a year, but they never imagined what might be causing it. Milwaukee police were led to an apartment in this building after they were flagged down by a handcuffed man who claimed he had been attacked. What they discovered upon their arrival was almost unspeakable. Numerous pieces from as many as 15 human bodies, including three heads preserved in a refrigerator. It's obvious that there is, has been a number of human specimens found within the apartment, and to a certain extent, they have been there so far. A hazardous materials team, breathing from air tanks, confiscated a number of items from the suspect's apartment. Among them, police say, photographs and drawings of dead, mutilated bodies and a vat of acid. Police believe the suspect may have used the acid to dissolve body parts. Neighbors also say they heard sawing in the apartment at all hours of the day and night. And now we found out he's got dead bodies in it. It's shocking. It's terrible. You know, and here I stay right across the hall from this guy. Police aren't certain if all of the murders occurred here in Milwaukee. They are reviewing missing persons files and closely communicating with other law enforcement agencies in hopes that evidence collected at the scene might help identify the victims. Brad Woodard for NBC News, Milwaukee. Hello, my Demon Insiders, and today we will be talking about Jeffrey Dahmer. Dahmer was a serial killer out in Milwaukee, and he had 17 victims, and I'm sure a lot of you have seen the show, the drama show that has come out on Netflix, and I'm telling you, they did a pretty good job. We actually saw the whole thing. Uh, We binge-watched it, but... uh, Nothing is as more terrifying as listening to his actual last victim, Tracy Edwards, who escaped Dahmer and was one of his last victims. So we're not going to call Tracy Edwards a victim because Tracy Edwards is a survivor. And if it wasn't for Tracy Edwards, Dahmer would have never been found out. So this episode is actually going to be a two-parter. The first part is going to be uh, Dahmer's interviews. Now, it's not so much about the crimes that he committed, but it's the sense of a demon that was inside for this show. And there's a lot that 
the interviewing interviewer is giving to Dahmer and Dahmer says a lot of interesting things of he couldn't remember or he felt a surge of energy or things like this. So on this first episode, we're going to show the demon inside Jeffrey Dahmer through Dahmer's own words. And in the second episode, we're going to listen to Tracy Edwards, the survivor, in his testimonial during the court when he talks about the difference that Dahmer would change from one to the other. I had uh, these obsessive uh, desires and, and uh, thoughts wanting to control them to, uh, I don't know how to put it, uh, possess them permanently. And that's why you killed them. Right, right. Not because I was angry with them, not because I hated them, but because I wanted to keep them with me. And uh, as my obsession grew, uh, I was saving body parts such as uh, skulls and uh, skeletons. So on this portion of Dahmer's interview, Dahmer talks about a compulsion. So let me interest you in this for me the demon inside is that compulsion that compulsion is what keeps you going you know it's wrong you don't want to do it but you have this feeling like you have to and that's the compulsion that Dahmer keeps talking about over and over and over again one time I brought this uh, young man back to the hotel room the ambassador hotel uh, was just planning on drugging him and uh, spending the night with him. I had no intention of hurting him. When I woke up in the morning, he uh, had a broken rib here. I was heavily bruised. Apparently, I had uh, beaten him to death with my fists. And you have no memory? I have no memory of it. But that's what started the whole spree all over again. Now, this is where Dahmer begins again, he said. The spree begins again. Because that compulsion he had tried to control this whole time comes back. But it comes back when he's drunk, when he's passed out. It takes over him. It takes over his soul. Now, I'm not saying what Jeffrey Dahmer was all possession. Jeffrey Dahmer accepted this. He accepted to do what he did. Because most people, when you have a compulsion and you wake up in the morning and you see that this guy's dead because you were drinking and can't remember anything, most people are going to stop drinking. Dahmer didn't. Dahmer kept going. And I'm pretty sure there was times that he was not drunk, that he knew exactly what he was doing. And him and the demon worked in concert together. Dahmer was out of control. The urge to kill had overpowered him. As police later learned, he wasn't satisfied with his victim's death. He wanted more. Why did you photograph them? It was my way of remembering uh, their appearance, their physical beauty. Uh, I also wanted to keep something. If I couldn't keep them they're with me whole, I, at least I felt that I could keep uh, their skeletons. 
And uh, I even went so far as planning on uh, setting up an altar with uh, the uh, ten different uh, skulls and skeletons. And what was the purpose of the altar going to be? Uh, as a sort of uh, memorial. Uh, a, a point where I could... I don't know. It's, it's, it's so bizarre and strange, it's hard to describe. A place where I could collect my thoughts uh, and feed my obsession. Now, again, he talks about his obsession, and he's going to build an altar from the dead body parts, from the dead skulls of the people that he's killed. It's that obsession that wants him to build an altar. Who do we build an altar to? We build an altar to people or to gods that we hold highly. He doesn't know why he was doing it, but maybe the demon inside does, right? When the bodies were still in your apartment, there was no time when you would see them and say, this is grotesque. What have I done? There were times. There were times, but the compulsive obsession with uh, doing what I was doing overpowered any feelings of revulsion. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. And welcome back to The Demon Inside. So the compulsion that Jeffrey Dahmer talks about, it's a very difficult thing to describe because the compulsion is something that it's, if you don't have it, you don't know what that means. So let me try to give you a, for instance, if you get an itch, let's say, on your arm or your back let's say on your back and you can't reach it and you're trying everything to reach that itch you're not thinking about being hungry you're not thinking about going to the bathroom you're not thinking about your day your family yourself you're not thinking about anything except how annoying that itch is that's the kind of compulsion that Jeffrey Dahmer had that's the kind of compulsion that I believe a lot of these serial killers have, where they need to do what they're doing, their fantasy, as they call it. The thing is, is their fantasy is only about themselves. It has no room for sympathy, has no room for anything other than violence to other people when a serial killer has that compulsion killing isn't usually what they want there's usually a hidden something in there that causes that trigger and a lot of these guys can hide it for so long they feel that the killing is more of a way to get rid of that compulsion. 
for instance, it's when you scratch that itch, after you're done, you come back down. You're kind of like uh, relaxed. It's like, oh, finally. They have to go through certain things of that compulsion to get to that final ending. And once that final ending is fixed, then the world is back to normal again for them. And Dahmer had this fantasy for a long time. I started having these obsessive thoughts when I was about uh, 15 and 16, and they got worse and worse. What were your fantasies about? Uh, they were sexual fantasies of control, power, uh, complete dominance. Uh, they became reality. Was there pleasure in that fantasy? There was excitement, uh, fear, pleasure, all mixed together. This fantasy of his wasn't just about killing people or he would have done it in the parking lot. This was about bringing them home and doing the control thing. And a lot of people would say, how could they fall for it? Well, you're talking about a charming person, somebody that disguised himself as himself until the demon took over. But this is the way he used to get them at the bar. I go to the nightclubs, uh, drink, watch the, uh, the strip tea shows. And uh, if I didn't meet anyone at the bars, I'd uh, go to the bath clubs and uh, meet, meet someone there, offer them money, and we'd go back to the apartment, um, have a few drinks. I'd have the, uh, the uh, sleeping pill mixture already prepared. Person would drink it, fall asleep, and uh, that's when they would be strangled. So now what I find fascinating is that Dahmer used a ruse that was used in the 70s uh, with Rodney Alcala. And Rodney Alcala would go to the beach and he would ask women if they would like to have their pictures taken because he told everybody that he was a professional photographer. So you got to kind of wonder if this is where Dahmer did it or Dahmer felt the compulsion to do this because he actually talks about taking the pictures and keeping them because it's keeping a part of them. So after he would bring them back like he said he would drug them uh, with the drugs that he had already had waiting for them and then he as soon as he would drug them he would kill them but we find out that this isn't really true what we find out through Tracy Edwards the last surviving victim is that Tracy Edwards says that when they went uh, they were he, he went straight to his bedroom Dahmer went straight to his bedroom and turned on the movie The Exorcist 3. And in certain parts, Dahmer would change. He would act differently. And you're going you're gonna to hear all that uh, next week when I come out with the second part to the uh, Jeffrey Dahmer case when you're listening to Tracy Edwards talk. But... Uh, this is what Dahmer remembers about those those that night in particular. Take a listen to this. I felt so hopelessly uh, 
evil and perverted that uh, that I, I actually derives a sort of pleasure from watching that tape. Did you like feeling evil? No, no, I didn't. But uh, I had tried to overcome the thoughts, and it worked for a while. But eventually, I gave in. So what Dahmer is talking about is the Exorcist Three, and there's quite a few serial killers that have make reference to this movie. In the movie The Exorcist Three, they talk about the Gemini Killer, and there was other serial killers that have also referenced the Gemini Killer. So for me, I start wondering if this movie The Exorcist Three has actually spawned a lot of these demon and sack killers. And because of that, they don't understand why they have that compulsion to kill. While Jeffrey Dahmer may say things today that make it seem like he understands what went on in his mind, he does not. All he can do is tell you what happened, but he cannot stop whatever it is that drove him to kill in the first place. Do you still feel those same urges? Do you still feel? That compulsion, that obsession. Uh, I wish I could say that uh, it just left completely, but uh, no, there are times when I still do, still do have uh, the old compulsions. So I have brought up this question before: If this person is in prison, do they still have the same compulsion? Does the demon leave your body and go somewhere else, or does the demon go into other souls that are in prison? But according to Dahmer, that compulsion is still there, and the only reason that he doesn't act on it is because he can't. He doesn't have any opportunity to do that. And what makes Dahmer different from other serial killers is that Dahmer actually ate his victims. He wanted to be so close to them that he had them inside of him. It's just a unique thing, with the exception of Ed Gein, who also ate his victims. I was uh, branching out. That's when the cannibalism started, eating of the heart and uh, the arm muscle. It was a way of uh, making me feel that uh, they were a part of me. It, it, for, at first, it was just curiosity. And then it became compulsive. Now, usually, when somebody eats a part of something, let's say a deer, they might take a bite of the heart, or drink the blood of the of the deer. Or it was a thing during the Aztec times, uh, Mayan times, where they would eat the hearts of their victims to show that they were possessing them and taking them over. But by eating his victims, it wasn't enough time. He wanted to have a live victim for as long as possible. Sure, by eating them, he was keeping them with him. But he needed to physically be around them longer. He needed their physical body longer to do the things that he wanted. Because once he killed them and he ate them. That was it. They were no longer with him anymore. He would have to go out and get another victim. 
That's why he was trying to get that goal of the zombie that he wanted, that sexual zombie. Then I tried to uh, keep the person alive by inducing a zombie-like state. Um, by uh, injecting uh, first uh, dilute acid solution into their brain or uh, hot water. And uh, it never did completely work. Could someone like you be stopped? Could you be helped? No, I, I was... I was dead set on, on going with this compulsion. It was the only thing that gave me any... Uh, any satisfaction. He became so warped by his evil impulses that he even took a victim's head with him to work at the Ambrosia Chocolate Factory. I kept the, uh, the mummified uh, head and skull of one of the victims in uh, a, a carrying case in my locker at work. Were you almost flaunting it? Yes, but that's how strong the compulsion was. That's how bizarre the, the desire was. I wanted to keep something of, of the person with me. Never understood it. There was no use trying to fight it because I, I couldn't rid myself of it. It was... It was too powerful and persistent. Do you dislike it? Yes, it's caused uh, a lot of problems for me. A lot of conflicts and uh, unanswered questions. The conflicts remain with him, and so do his compulsions. But in prison, he finally cannot act on his savage desires. If you were out on the street now, would you still be committing the crimes? Probably. If this hadn't happened, there's no doubt I probably would be. I can't think of anything that would have stopped me. What was the turning point for you that made you suddenly realize that you had done something terribly wrong, something you should be sorry for? It was uh, the night of the arrest. I have no memory of what happened uh, during the six hours before uh, the last victim ran out of the apartment. I heard a knock on the door, and the police were there, uh, with with the last victim. Uh, they asked me where the key was to the handcuffs. I was, my mind was in a haze. I sort of pointed to the bedroom, and that's where they uh, found the pictures. And they, they yelled, cuff them. And I was uh, handcuffed. And uh, it, it was just the realization that there was no point in trying to hide hide uh, my actions anymore so he's telling her that he couldn't remember what had happened from the time that they got to the apartment he couldn't remember anything that happened during and he couldn't remember anything that happened after until the police came in he was in a haze he couldn't remember anything maybe that's the demon that was inside of him who was making him do all that and so he couldn't remember because he wasn't mentally spiritually in there it was the demon that had taken over so next week i am going to put tracy edwards on his courtroom questioning and it's very interesting what he says when he says the Dahmer was switching back and forth from one person to another Take a listen to this. 
I think like, you know, what's going on, you know? This guy is so nice and all of a sudden, you know, it's like he's pulling knives and handcuffs and all on me, you know? What'd you do? What'd you say to him? I asked him what the problem was, you know, that it's not necessary to do this, you know? What'd he say? Uh, he told me at that point if I wouldn't do what he said, he would kill me, yeah. Now, tell us about his demeanor at the time that you look at him and you say, what's going on? You don't have to do this. What happens to Mr. Dahmer? What's he like? It's like not the same person that we met at Grand Avenue Mall. How does he different? His face structure seemed different. You know, his body structure is like it wasn't him anymore. You know, it's like it was a totally different guy here. Next week, we will have that and a lot more on the continuation of the demon inside Jeffrey Dahmer. Don't forget to subscribe to The Demon Inside on Spotify, Anchor, or any other podcast directory or through our website, anchor.fm backslash The Demon Inside. A new episode of The Demon Inside comes out each Monday. Let us know what you think and join the conversation on our Demon Inside Facebook page and on Instagram. We thank you for listening and hope you'll join me next Monday for a new Demon Inside. If you enjoyed this episode, tell your friends. I'm John Venom. We'll see you next time. If I don't get possessed. The Demon Inside was created and written by James Porter. It's a production of Venomous Entertainment. Theme music, Demon Inside, is on the album Conjure One by Reese Fulber. Background music was created by Lucas Key.